Welcome to the Morning Woods. I'm Miles Tridel, writer, producer, and narrator of this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. The search party had almost given up. I still had a few hours left in me, but I'm young and fit, and the call for help had been answered by all sorts of community members. Men, women, children, young and old, had all responded when the sheriff's department requested volunteers to locate a married couple who had last been seen preparing to hike near Lake Superior. We were told they had been missing for two weeks. It was only October, but the area was already entrenched in deep snow and single-digit temperatures. No one was saying it out loud, but we all knew we had very little chance of finding the poor couple alive. I'm confident in saying that, because when the deputy leading my group called us in to head out of the frozen forest, those around me were all too quick to comply. Knowing the area pretty well, I decided to take my time getting back. I gave the rest of the group a wide berth to try and cover a little more area on my way back to the rendezvous point. My movements were noticed by one of the other searchers an elderly woman whose clothing and backpack immediately gave her away as an experienced outdoors woman. As she made her way towards me, she gave me a look as if to say, I see you're not ready to quit either. She introduced herself as Enola and asked if I had enough water and will to keep going without the rest of the group. I readily agreed. She moved quickly and without the rest of the group to slow us down, we managed to cover a lot of ground. Just as the sun was beginning to glow orange as it neared the horizon, I heard a sound that didn't fit the natural noises of the woods. Enola paused and indicated she had heard it too. Help me. Please help me. The weak voice of a woman breathed out from behind a small outcrop. The rocks hid the voice's owner, but Enola and I looked at each other with excitement. We had found our missing couple and at least one of them was alive. We hurried toward the outcrop calling back to the woman to hold on, help it arrived, Enola was closer and circled around the rocks before I reached them. She let out a choked scream of horror and sorrow and I watched her drop to her knees. She was sobbing as I came around the corner. Right next to where she knelt in the snow were the bodies of a man and a woman. They were frozen black and blue. Even their clothes were stiff with ice and clearly hadn't moved in days. So, what did we just hear? I asked. The way Enola whipped her head between the frozen hikers and the forest behind her told me she was wondering the same thing. Then, without warning, she lunged forward and grabbed both of my shoulders. A wild expression boiled behind her wide eyes and tears formed in the corners. Panic rose in my throat as her mouth reached my ear before I could push her back. When to go? Her voice was almost too soft to hear, but I could hear her terror as she uttered the name. When did... I started to ask... Hush, she silenced me with one hand and pointed to the dead woman with the other. I responded with a look of confusion, and she brought me around to stand beside her. From that angle, I could see the woman's face. Her eyes were still open. They were blood red. Blood was smeared over her lips and across her cheeks as well. It drew lines down her neck where the once hot liquid had slid beneath her coat. The woman was clutching something red and white to her chest. The ice and snow made it hard to recognize at first, but I suddenly realized it was the twisted and torn remains of her husband's right hand. My mind wrote the story of their final days on Earth. 
He gave in to the blackness first, having subtly provided his wife with the bulk of their remaining rations. She couldn't bring herself to leave him behind and stayed instead. When her hunger made it impossible to ignore her baser instincts, she lost control. She began to consume the only thing available. And then it consumed her, Enola muttered as if reading my thoughts. What? What do you mean? You mean you've been wandering through these woods ignorant of the Wendigo? It's been branded a myth, a legend, but more would do well to heed the story. It's said that when a human being eats the flesh of another, the Wendigo is born. It stalks through the trees in search of a soul to possess to consume more of its only sustenance, human flesh. If it cannot find a victim, it dies, but it can live for a very, very long time without feeding. And you think she was... possessed? I asked with a gesture toward the dead woman. Enola nodded. And now the Wendigo will be at its strongest. Quick, we must go. I reached into my pack and brought out my satellite phone. I held it up and told Enola I would alert the sheriff and ask for help. I raised the antenna, punched in the digits, and held the phone to my ear. An ear-splitting screech was all that came through the speaker. I hurried to end the call and collapsed the antenna, but the screech continued. It now sounded like it was coming from every direction. It filled the woods with the evil sound of a dark hunger. Run, Enola shouted. We abandoned the dead and started running south in a full sprint. The guttural cry continued to echo all around us. It seemed to grow closer even as we ran. Our own footsteps crunching in the snow were quite loud, but even over that noise I started to hear another slower, heavier set of pounding steps growing near. Don't look back, Enola called out ahead of me. Like a disobedient child, I immediately looked over my shoulder. Regret instantly gripped my soul. Standing between two trees, maybe a hundred yards behind me, was a creature more terrifying than any nightmare. It was at least twice my height, mostly due to disproportionately long legs. Its arms were likely the length of my entire body and covered in mangy fur. Atop its matted torso, the monster's head stretched out as if trying to catch a scent. Two bestial antlers protruded from its exposed skull, dripping with something soft and fresh. Between the antlers were two red eyes wide with hatred and hunger. The mouth of the beast may have been its most terrifying feature. Dozens of needle-sharp teeth protruded from it. Before I turned to keep running, I realized it was closed, even though the creature's scream was still reverberating from every direction. Although it was physically standing there, I knew in that moment the creature was not from nor bound to the rules of our world. I must have stood in terror for longer than I realized because I suddenly felt Enola's hands grab one of my arms and spin me around. She half dragged me the first few steps before I broke out of my stunned state and kept running with her. I felt ready to drop when we finally reached the edge of the forest. The last members of the search party had gone home, but one deputy remained behind. There you are, he said with a frustrated tone. Here I was, thinking we'd be looking for more bodies tomorrow. Sorry to worry you, sir, but we found the hikers, and they... He raised a gloved hand to silence me. He took a few steps toward us, stopping only when he got uncomfortably close to Enola. I don't need them anymore. I have you. The deputy spoke in a low, sinister voice. Enola suddenly turned to me in panic. She was about to say something when the deputy wrapped his arms around her and bit into her cheek. 
I stumbled back as my poor friend cried out in pain. She reached out for help, but I didn't know what to do. What could I do? The deputy's eyes flicked up towards me, and I saw his irises were circled in red. The hue began spreading, taking over the whites of his eyes as I watched. He swallowed a piece of flesh and snarled at me. He dropped Enola on the ground and took two steps in my direction before she lashed out with a kick. It didn't hurt him, but it got his attention. He leapt on top of her. I instinctively looked away as he latched onto her throat. I heard tearing flesh and a horrific crunch and knew there was no chance of saving Enola anymore. I darted to my car and was thankful that it started right away. As I sped off, I looked at my own eyes in the rearview mirror. I don't know what I would have done if I'd have seen that telltale red hue, but thankfully, I didn't. I still check the mirror every time I'm going to be around people. The Wendigo doesn't seem to have gotten a hold of me, but one thing is for sure. I will never return to those woods to give it another chance. You can support The Warning Woods by clicking the Anchor Support link in the description, or by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. Of course, the best way to help is by writing a review and following this podcast in Apple Podcasts or subscribing on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening. <laughs>